hello and welcome to episode 111 of the 1099 for the week of September 25th, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the social editor and regular presence on all Wait Boy content, as well as someone with a wonderful SoundCloud page and even better voice, Danica Harrod. Danica, how are you doing today? I'm good. Wow, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Compliments right <laughs> off the bat. This is yeah, immediately well. <laughs> just throw out the compliments. Let's get those out of the way. Let's make everything great. Let's start. I mean, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I- I'm always excited to, pe- to talk to people from Waypoint and... I was just talking about your singing and before we really get into the, you know, the site or games in general, that's something we both have in common. I, I love singing. I love music. Oh, uh, are you, you a singer? Too. So I, um, I think I still have my fez in here somewhere from when I was Aladdin. Like I was Scrooge. I was a, a, a drama kid for the longest time. Okay, okay, I, I have okay, like okay. a plaque around here from like regional chorus and then like continue to, I mean, now it's just like, very bad bar karaoke. Um, <laughs> that's like, that's like my favorite though. Yeah, like I like to hover in that range where people are like, "Oh, that guy's not that bad." When you're at a bar, like that's about <laughs> right, where I'm right. at right now. But I mean, you're much more active in music than I am right now. So, what got you into creating music? Was it something oh, where you gosh. started when you were a kid, or was it maybe a passion that you discovered later in life? Yeah. So, um, my dad actually has been a musician since long before I was born. And so I was born into like this, uh, very musical family. My dad was doing shows like once a week and he had a band and he sang at the house all the time. So I kind of just grew up singing and, um, being very lucky and fortunate to have, um, resources like tape players and, um, tapes. And mm-hmm. I listened to a lot of like Janis Joplin and, um, also older soul music. Like I listened to a lot of Aretha Franklin, um, and Shaka Khan and stuff when I was very young. And uh, I kind of just sang a lot because my dad sang a lot. And you actually ha- seem to have a far more experienced background when it comes to music. Because <laughs> for me, I have, I think I did chorus for a year when I was in like sixth grade. And um, since then, I haven't had any training or um, really done much at all besides like audition for American Idol twice. And with no, with really no practice and, um, and just like staying at home. Yeah. And, uh, a big reason why I moved to New York actually is because the music scene out here is, is very active and very indie and underground. And a lot of, a lot of younger people who are, um, not well known who are having a chance to be heard are existing here in New York and making music here in New York. And it's just been inspiring every time I've come out here. So, um, I moved out here with the goal of like furthering my music, not mm-hmm. career, but just like making more music. And <clears throat> since moving here, I have done that, you know, obviously it's, it's secondary to my job and I, I don't make a ton and there will be months where I don't make anything, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically it. And even if it is secondary to your job, like, is there this grand dream in your head that maybe one day you, you hit it big with one of these, with something you create, something you sing? Is it, when you were doing it back then, when you were going on American Idol, was this mm-hmm. kind of your main goal of like, wonder if someday I can make a career out of this? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And now, see, now that I'm like on the internet and in the public eye in a very small way, um, I think the idea of getting, famous even through music or anything else is absolutely terrifying now. I think, <laughs> I think, um, before I worked at Crunchyroll and before I was on social media and had a following, I think being, getting, making it somewhere, making it big from singing was my ultimate, ultimate dream. That was what I wanted to do. And then, um, once I got on the internet and realized how scary of a place it was, I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe getting famous isn't what I actually want to do. I think, for me, it's more of, um, I just want to create music because it makes me happy and singing makes me happy. And like, I really like to perform. So if I can do that and still be working and making money and make money when I go do shows and have people enjoy everything that I'm doing, then that's all good for me. And you mentioned maybe getting famous is terrifying, but is the act of actually going on stage right now in front of people, either friends or strangers and singing, still kind of terrifying for you? Because I, I, I joked earlier about like, oh, bad bar karaoke. And a lot of the reason for right. that is, is you want to get like just buzzed enough that you feel comfortable. Like, I'm just going to throw this out here on stage. And if it's bad, it's bad. I can blame it on th- that fourth beer I had. But for when I was younger, uh, the drama was always a lot of fun for me because you're playing a character instead of playing yourself right. instead of being on there by right. like this is me like if this is bad this is all me like this is like all of my traits and everything mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. so is it still kind of scary for you 
Yeah, I think there's definitely a huge difference between um, when I go and do karaoke and like everybody is singing Queen and no one really cares if you mess up. <laughs> um, when I perform now, I think the first song is always very hard for me. And just leading up to that, I, I'm always filled with nerves. But once I'm done with like the first song, um, then I usually get get in the groove and don't feel very nervous anymore. But it's still, you know, it's still just a thing. It's like um, even just in front of my friends, it's still just kind of nerve wracking, like putting yourself out there and doing something that you like feel passionate about and um, have some kind of talent in. It's very different than using my other talents of tweeting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially if it's something that maybe you really enjoy doing. And like you said, when it's a passion and suddenly you put it out there, like, oh, if you don't like this, this is a big hit at, you know, who I think I am, yeah, like the way I see myself. Yeah, it's it's yeah. very, I don't know, I've always seen going on stage and seeing something as like this super personal throwing yourself out there in a way right. that few other things are. Because when I write a review for a game, I'm like, all right, like that's, it's it's what I like to do, but I don't mm -hmm. feel like people are like value judging me. But when you're putting your voice out there, it's an entirely different feeling. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and before you joined Vice and Waypoint, we just you know talked about the singing career was something <laughs> on your mind. But you were at Crunchyroll, which falls into this general nerd ecosystem that somehow now includes like professional wrestling, comics, oh, yeah. anime, uh, manga, and then there's like games that's all kind of in this same area. But was working for games other than singing kind of a dream for you? Was that something where when you were younger, you're like, I want in some form, whether it be writing, whether it be development. And I guess back then, maybe social media didn't make as much sense for a career. But mm -hmm. was this something you always want to get into? Uh, gosh, well, I think, um, I think when the opportunity specifically at Crunchyroll arose, um, I was working in finance, actually, I had um, a finance background, and they needed someone to help them with their um, like bookkeep bookkeeping and accounts payable and accounts receivable. It was like a very small company back then. I was like the 35th employee. Um, and it was less of, um, oh, I want to work at Crunchyroll because I think I just never really thought that Crunchyroll was a place that I could work. Um, it's one of those things. It's like, you don't, you're so passionate about a thing. You don't think it's real. You don't think that yes. you can actually be a part of it. And, um, when I got that job, it definitely felt like it was like a dream for me to be working in anime. And I think it was the same when I moved over to gaming too, because I've been playing video games as long as I can remember and like being nerdy and watching anime and playing games and like watching Godzilla and sci-fi shit has always been a part of my life. Thanks to my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I had an opportunity to work in gaming, it was, it was the same feeling. It was like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know because I'm not a writer. It's like, I didn't know that I could do this. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know that I could like exist in this space with these people who I've been a fan of for a really long time or really look up to or respect. Um, and so it's been amazing. It, not being a writer does make it seem hard to break, harder to break into because I feel like so many people you talk to who do have games media jobs, they started as these avid fans of games and their first thought was how do i get into this how do i get involved in games yes. and then they move to writing you don't see a lot of people who start as like man writing is fucking awesome and then suddenly they're like let's do games it's usually the other way around so i would assume yeah when you first saw this you didn't really know the best way to get into it without writing uh and we talked a little bit off air about this it's funny because so many companies uh, especially older companies, established companies, look at social media and say like, all right, let's just hire this young person. They'll <laughs> understand what Twitter is. They'll understand yeah. what Facebook is. They will find the hottest memes um, and they will <laughs> post that and everything will be perfect. But it's, I think it uh, really underscores how difficult the job can be if you just say that. So mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about this. Did you take any social media classes, seminars or anything like that to understand why certain social media strategies work because you maybe on a personal account you can get a lot of you know retweets a lot of likes and stuff like that but right, it right, might right. be different in a business sense yeah so i mean back in the day it was like i could pay like 150 dollars to go to a seminar that was being led by like um a person who had um their like masters and and had gone to grad school and had like you know all these like different business degrees, but who had never worked on a social media account. And there just wasn't like the 
resources back when I started doing front facing stuff to, um, teach me these kinds of skills. It was kind of like learning as, as we went. And I didn't even have a Twitter until I started working at Crunchyroll. Um, but I really learned a lot of what I know now from just being at Crunchyroll and, and watching Victoria Holden, Sailor B do like, do her thing. Um, I've tweeted about this a bunch of times, just how, Social media jobs and um, any kind of like community focused job, I think, requires a lot of learned skills and uh, trial and error and uh, personal uh, skills and personality and things that you can't really learn in school. Yeah. Um, and that sucks because most companies want to hire, like you said, they want to hire someone who's fresh out of college or get an unpaid intern and um, hire people, pay them like $40,000 a year to grow their social media, you know, 200% or whatever, and overwork them and underpay them. And and that's just kind of historically been what social media is. And I learned a lot from like I mentioned before, like the Denny's account back in the day, um, was one of the first accounts to really go full speed with, I guess, relatable things or just posts that were making people laugh and, and not posts that would necessarily get people to go to Denny's, but posts that were making people feel like a brand was more than just some like dude in a suit, yeah. you know? Um, and the person who was running the Denny's social media account at the time, um, when all of that started was someone who I'm actually friends with now. Her name is Amber Disco. She went on to, um, work for Rock Nation and, uh, work on the Hillary campaign and, and do a bunch of awesome stuff. But she came from Tumblr. And so all of, all of those things that she was doing with the Denny's account and the way that she was growing the Denny's account, those were things that she taught herself. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, an, it's also something that you learn just from being surrounded by, uh, like-minded people and other people who like, I don't want to say are underappreciated in, in media, but oftentimes it's like people who don't have, um, the, the jobs that you have to go to school for, mm -hmm. you know, um, and surrounding myself with people like that really taught me a lot of stuff. In because social media is still young enough it, it, a lot of it is like you said learn skills you figure out what works on the job people have an idea of what works but you're not gonna get a textbook that says like all right this is what you should do to become denny's like the denny's idea wasn't the denny's idea until it just happened kind of organically and you, you do see a right. lot of copycat accounts out there right now you see a lot of people going for similar things mm -hmm, uh you, mm -hmm, you all mm -hmm. see like the the sonic account going full crazy which yep. maybe <laughs> I, i'm not really sure if it's the greatest thing or the worst thing i haven't entirely decided for myself yet oh, uh my gosh. for what you do how difficult can it be to balance maybe the silly playful side of your Twitter account, you know, maybe tweeting pictures of Sonic or, right. you know, some other thing with the more serious culture heavy content that Waypoint publishes. Because I personally think right now you have a great balance with it, but can it be odd to tweet about like, all right, here's this rad PUBG kill where someone does like three different backflips on a motorcycle and then lands <laughs> on a guy. But then the next thing you maybe have on your schedule of posting is about development crunch or let's say right. something recent, like a major YouTuber being racist. Is that hard? to kind of get your tone on like a, a single track? I think that what I try to do is I try to give things space to breathe. So I think that really what I'm doing with Waypoint's account is kind of just being myself on that account and also being mindful of the fact that um, I'm not posting on Waypoint, um, hey, this is Danica making these tweets, you know? Um, so a lot of people still don't know that I'm the person behind the social media account. A lot of people do. Um, and I get shit for it every single day. <laughs> every time I make a tweet <laughs> on Waypoint, they're like, Danica. Um, but I think it's just kind of learning and learning as you go how to navigate the audience and um, prepare for feedback that you're going to get or responses that you're going to get. And um, for things like um, Patrick did a great piece on DACA um, last week. Um, which was a very serious piece. He interviewed a bunch of people. Um, and for that, I knew to give that some room to breathe, not because we were going to be getting flooded with notifications or anything, but because it's an issue that is super important. And 
really important to a lot of game developers and people of the games community. So I just try to give stuff ample room to breathe. If we post something about like PewDiePie being racist and, and shitty, then that's one of those things where I'm like, I will post this and our notifications are going to be blowing up for like an hour. And sometimes the only thing I can do in those scenarios is just go back to normal posting, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's like my notifications and and waypoints mentions will just be out of control for hours for hours. Um, So yeah, like we posted about ice Poseidon yesterday and that was just like a disaster in my mentions because I have waypoints mentions turned on 24 seven. So I see every time someone like, says the word waypoint um oh geez and it's just yeah it gets pretty overwhelming so sometimes i I just need to post to relieve the timeline relieve my my mentions and um to also help our followers focus on something else besides the awful responses to some of the tweets we get because we get a lot of shitty responses um to any tweet we make about like john tron or pewdiepie or um someone getting banned from from battlegrounds or whatever else um and those are all from people who don't follow us you know those are from people who don't care about waypoint so facebook is worse facebook is like god facebook is a bad website i couldn't even imagine what the facebook is like i i run social media I, i work for um a uh, developer called Tan Gentleman, and I like run the Twitter much more than the Facebook. But I feel like every time I post on Facebook, it's always a negative. It's th- the comments are always just angry people, and it's not even related to what I just posted about. I'm like, where are these people even coming yeah, from? Yeah, right. I know. I don't know. I, Facebook is so different, and we started out as as Vice Gaming, and um, that was primarily in the UK. So a lot of our audience, um, our, a lot of our audience are people who are from the UK who are just on our Facebook for new stuff. So I don't know. It's really bad. There have been times where I've had to delete posts. I unfortunately don't have much time to go in and like delete comments, but there have been plenty of times where I've had to go in and um, delete like 200 comments on a post. If Jesus. it's something that, you know, we want to keep up. Um, sometimes I'll just delete posts though, if it gets too bad, because it's harmful for, People in our, you know, people who follow us because they care about us, it's, it's harmful for them to read that kind of shit. And it's, you know, I'll get emails sometimes from people who are like, hey, these comments are so bad. And I just, I feel bad. People on the internet are really shitty. They, it, it, the weirder part is, is you would assume because Facebook is so, you know, here's my face, here's my name, that you would not be as much of an asshole on that compared to Twitter, where you can be like, here's my anime avatar and here's my racist twitter handle like you you can hide behind a lot of that bullshit and so much of facebook is you know my mom is like you know everyone's friends with their mom everyone's Mm -hmm. friends with their family so i feel Mm -hmm. like that's a Mm -hmm. place that you wouldn't immediately want to go down that route yeah these are the people i i mean a lot of the comments most of the comments that we get that are like shitty and fucked up are you know white dudes white dudes in the mentions and and like these are the people who don't hide behind masks when they go to Charlottesville. You know, it's like, it's the same, it's the same kind of idea. These people don't fucking care. They don't care. And their goal is to offend. Their goal is to upset people. Their goal is to get a rise out of people. Um, and so that's what they spend their time doing. Yeah. It's, I just, it's gross. It's, it's really bad. I just, I've just banned people. I go in and I just delete their comments and ban them. That's probably the only way to handle that stuff. Those people don't actually want to have a conversation. Uh, no, no, no. How much freedom do you have when you're establishing the voice of Waypoint on social media? Because you're a small group if you don't count your freelancers. Um, so it, it must feel like to a certain extent that, you know, this Twitter account represents the core group at Waypoint. So do you yeah. try to, is the idea like, did you have like meetings like, all right, here's the singular voice of Waypoint? Or were you mm-hmm. kind of given a lot of freedom in terms of, you know, we trust you, go out there, do yeah. tweets, <laughs> do Facebook posts, uh, you're going to be fine. Um, yeah, it's 100% me. So it's, there are things like when it comes to like videos, um, and, um, stuff like our, our TV specials that we're airing right now. Um, those are more of a collective voice, but our realistically, our collective voice and, and the voice you want to put forward is similar to what I'm putting forward on social media. Like the team, everyone on the team is pretty similar in terms of like our sense of humor and, um, how we use the internet. I think I'm, I'm just at like a hundred times the amount of everybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> when I actually, when I got hired at Vice, um, 
Waypoint didn't exist. And so I was helping out with one of their music verticals. And um, I remember I had to maintain the existing voice that was on there. And it was just, it, it, it was so overwhelming to me to just like maintain this voice and not, you know, put any personality into the tweets yeah. that I was making. Um, but with Waypoint, because Waypoint is something completely different from every other site at Vice, uh, you know, we're community focused and that doesn't really exist in the world of like news editorial. So I've had way more freedom to kind of just, uh, experiment on Twitter and really I haven't needed to because I've been lucky enough for my goofiness and off the wall antics to be pretty welcomed. So do you have certain targets for the Twitter account? Do you look at this and you're like, I don't know, by the end of the year, I want to hit this many thousand followers or for certain tweets, I want to make sure it spreads this much. It, it can be such a crapshoot, I would assume, where you never know what's going to work and what doesn't work as we talked about before, because a lot of this stuff isn't established yet. But in right. your mind, do you have a, I want to build a Twitter account to this level by this certain time? God, the thing is, it's, it's hard advice because, um, like, I am, I'm technically part of the social team. You know, I'm, I'm on Waypoint's team, but Austin is not my boss. My boss like works for the growth team and I report to him. And so numbers are super important, but also we're working across so many different platforms. And I think this goes for most media companies or tech companies or um, people using social media, Facebook is the number one traffic driver. So Facebook is really like the focus when it comes to social media. Um, unfortunately, because I hate Facebook. Yeah, um, that's strange. Like, <laughs> I, I get it. I guess because most people, but I don't... Right. Ugh. Facebook sucks. Um, as far as Twitter goes, I don't have goal. Like, I don't have goals that I think about every day besides you know, getting our stories up on time and meeting a quota of, of stories that I'm posting on Twitter and just getting good interactions. I don't really have like a, a number goal that I'm going by. I think mm -hmm. those come into play when I do things like go to PAX. If I'm experimenting with like a social strategy at PAX, then I'll have goals set for that. But for the most part, the focus overall is not as much on Twitter as I wish it was because yeah. I love Twitter and I feel like communities and uh, people want to interact so much more on Twitter because it's just like a stream of consciousness and there's like, um, it's easier to have a conversation and Facebook is a hellhole. Um, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's I for how much I mean, I think everyone who loves Twitter also complains about Twitter equally because you have to because again, there's right. like so many problems with it. But it right. is still it's, it's one of those things that if someone took it away from me, I don't know what I would do with a lot of my time. I mean, that's how this entire podcast started was me just saying like, I would love to talk to Danica on the podcast. <laughs> and you're like, I now see your post and I would like to do that too. Like, it's silly how much of a lot of people. Yeah, it does work. A lot of people um, who are starting podcasts will email me and be like, how do you get Adam Sessler? How do you get Jeff Gersman? Like, I literally sometimes just tweet at people and they're right, like, rad, right, right. let's do it. Like, so much of it happens like that. And, and you're building a community, like you mentioned. It's through your forums, through your Twitter, through mm -hmm. podcasts and streams. And, mm -hmm. and what's very different about modern games media is how open editors are to show their full personalities. I mean, you... You don't really have a choice when you're you're playing games around friends, around coworkers. That stuff just comes out. Like you mentioned with the the, the Twitter voice before, you want to let that personality out. You right. want to give it kind of its own tone. So yep. I think naturally, most people in games are introverts. It just happens that way. It's a mm -hmm. lot of why people started to get into games in the first place. But has it been easy to put yourself out there on streams, on podcasts, and everything else? Can that almost be? cathartic to uh just talk to the community and just be yourself in front of everyone yeah i mean i absolutely love interacting with our followers and interacting with our community it's one of my favorite things um i also am highly introverted and spend 90 percent of my time at home like playing video games <laughs> and so anytime i'm doing anything front-facing whether that be um streaming or recording produce videos or tweeting or anything um, like after work, I'm just fucking exhausted because yeah. my personality is like 
even though I'm, I'm very social on the internet and I'm try to be as social as I can in real life too. Um, my preference usually is to be at home. So it's been, it's been really hard. And, and it was the same at Crunchyroll too. It was like, I never really had hesitations about interacting with the community. It was something that I really, really loved, but it made me absolutely exhausted. It just really takes it out of you. Um, but it's, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And it makes people happy and it makes us happy. And I, I remember when we did our 72 hour launch stream and how terrified we were because yeah. it was launch weekend. People didn't even know that we existed and we were going to be on the front page of Twitch for a set amount of hours out of three days. And there were times when our brand new Twitch channel was getting like over 5,000 viewers and somehow, somehow the Twitch chat was just amazing. They were yeah. amazing. And I really feel so blessed and thankful that Waypoint's community has just been as great as it has been, you know? Yeah. And that's, it's rare, especially like you said, when people don't know who you are and you're on the front page of Twitch and right. kind of going back to that conversation we had about when you're singing on you know karaoke or otherwise, mm-hmm. you're throwing yourself out there in a very unique way. I would assume when you're on a stream in front of 25,000 people, uh, seeing nasty comments or anything directly about you is hard to take. I, right. I mean, even me, when I was when I was writing reviews for IGN and GameSpot, if someone's like, this review sucks, I'm like, I really don't care what this person thinks. Like, mm-hmm. If they call mm-hmm. it a direct thing in my writing, I'm like, oh man, that was a good point. And now I feel bad about myself. Sure, right, that's there. Right. Uh, with this podcast, it was kind of the next step because this is more like passion project. Here's directly me. So when you get like yeah. a nasty comment, you're like, Ugh. but I would assume this, it's the next level when here you are in front of, you know, in that case, thousands and thousands of strangers. Mm-hmm. And I... You did say it was positive, but I think I would personally avoid that chat like the plague. I'm like, I know it's right. going to take one comment to be like, and day ruined. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we luckily have an incredible team of moderators who are just super on their toes and very fast. And they span our Twitch, our Discord, um, Waypoints fan Discord, our forums and everything. So they're just like so fast and good with interactions and dealing with shitty comments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also like we're part of Vice and that's the thing that we're reminded of when like a stream that we are doing gets shared on Vice and we get like shitty viewers or, um, God, I did a, I did a Vice Instagram live where I was solving Rubik's cubes, which mm. I'm not very good at. Like I, I, <laughs> I can get like, I can get like a one minute solve maybe, but like, Oh my God, that's under- actually, I, I can't get like a, a 30 minute solve. <laughs> under two is is what we were aiming for and i was i was like so nervous but my boss saw me cubing and was like can we put you on instagram live and i'm like fuck that's like seven hundred and fifty thousand. like they have like millions of followers yeah but that instagram live was going out to like hundreds of thousands of people and i remember we got i don't remember like twenty thousand viewers or something and the comments were just awful and i was like God, I'm so glad I'm doing live stuff for specifically for Waypoint because I just can't imagine getting this level of shit every day, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's probably helped you a lot too that because you have Austin and Patrick there, there's a certain extent where there's this this giant bomb adjacent audience that's followed them over to the site. And I've Mm -hmm. talked to just about everyone who's worked at Giant Bomb on this podcast and that community of course there's some assholes there's assholes in every community but it's one of the most genuine nice level-headed communities to talk to if i ever post any of these podcasts on their forums or reddit or anything like that it's also it's always really great people that i can actually have conversations with so i would assume mm-hmm. to a certain extent you've carried that over that because you don't you're very different sites but you also have that small personality based kind of flavor that an ign doesn't have that a GameSpot doesn't have i feel like when people yell in the ign GameSpot comments and boy do they yell uh <laughs> they feel like they're yelling at this major kind of nameless faceless corporation Right. But when they're talking to your team, they're talking, you know, directly to Austin, directly to you, directly to Patrick, kind of having that smaller, close knit group that already has a good following behind it has to be helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, our audiences, our audience crossover is huge with Giant Bomb. And you see it a lot in our fan discord, too. We have a lot of people who um, found us through Giant Bomb or followed Austin and Patrick over and um, 
they go back and forth between like our community uh our community platforms and giant bombs community platforms and it's really great and i think sometimes maybe we're a little bit too political for um the giant bomb fans sometimes mm-hmm. like we'll we'll get some comments on on our stories but for the most part i think it's been great and we've yeah again we're just like very lucky to have such a nice kind dedicated audience yeah the the political stuff is interesting to me because it's it's hard not to be political right now like everyone still does a thing on the internet where they're yelling like keep politics out of this like man it's really fucking hard right now to just ignore that so i mean since since founding Waypoint, which it doesn't seem like that long ago, but mm-hmm. like it's, you know, you've been around for a bit now. I mean, you've written about crunch. You've written about di- difficult uh, development practices and games. You've written about the impact of Obamacare's on development and, you yeah. know, gender and racial inclusion, mm-hmm. different topics of like that have come up. Uh, how have you seen from the social media side of that, from the comments side of that, from the forum side of that? How do you think, how has your audience responded to these difficult to tackle issues? Because this was not something that was in games media before. And I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see it in regular review coverage where we're calling out sexist bullshit. We're calling mm-hmm. out a lot of different things that we weren't really willing to before. Have you seen the audience respond to that mostly positively? Do you think people are really going to that content more than even you thought they would? Yeah, I think it's something that people have really wanted for a long time in games um, and have wanted to hear from people that they look up to in games. And there are still so many people in games and so many games outlets that don't talk about uh, politics and don't politicize anything and, you know, try to remain apolitical and uh, like whatever. I, I I got it like a year ago, but now that Trump's president, it's kind of like, oh, please just stop. Um, but it's been a very positive response. And I think that especially in our our forums, because our forums are such that's like the tightest knit part of our community our forum and our discord users um and i think that they really welcome these discussions they like to talk about these stories and these topics with each other and um i you know i feel lucky that especially with the forums we've been able to give people like a platform to have these discussions and we post these stories as kind of like um, an entryway to conversation for them. And so it's been really great. And when Trump got elected, I remember Austin immediately was like, okay, well, like, fuck not being political. Like, we are going to, you know, go full speed and um, post everything, like, that we can that is relative to games and opposes this shit, you know? Yeah. And um, we had the full support of of the higher ups advice and it was actually encouraged across the vice network to like, you know, for, for different verticals to show their opposition. And so we've been lucky with that. And the response has been very good. I mean, besides the people like on Facebook who are just like, why do you have to pollute? I got, I got in, I got into an argument the other day with not an argument, but there was this guy who made an account specifically because he hates Waypoint. And like, <laughs> he had like 10 tweets and they were all just responses to Waypoint or responses to Austin. And we posted about Final Fantasy IX. And the, the head of the story was like, um, talking about how, uh, Final Fantasy IX was a, uh, story about, uh, like war on the state. Mm-hmm. And the, f- this guy commented and was like, why do you have to politicize everything? And everyone, everyone just responded and was like, are you serious? Like, have you ever played Final Fantasy IX? Like, have you ever played a Final Fantasy game? Do you understand how political they are? Um, but you know, we get that shit sometimes. I think it's, it's more of not everything has to be about politics and less of people, you know, screaming at us for making things political. Yeah. So. That's, First off, I think that's when you somewhat know you make it when someone actually creates a Twitter account just to troll you, like to do oh the exclusive God. reason. I mean, it's not like a, it's not like a I made it thing that I want in life, but <laughs> right, I think it leaves right. me in something. Uh, have you seen any reasonable conversation about the political stuff on your forums or Discord or Twitter in terms of someone coming in who is more right leaning, actually making non yelling, angry points? I mean, I would assume, of course, because it is, you know. It, 
it's hard not to be left-leaning right now, but because it is a left-leaning site, that's who you're going to attract. That's who's going to be mm-hmm. in the community. But mm-hmm. have you seen any actual discourse in those different forums, those different kind of areas where you're like, okay, this is people talking and trying to understand each other? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we have, and the mods have had to deal with a lot of people who uh, come in with an argument about how like PewDiePie isn't racist, end of story. And uh, those usually don't go over well and result in like mod action and it sucks for everybody involved. Um, but we have absolutely had people who come in with questions or want to discuss things. And um, our community has been for the most part, welcome to um, those people and, happy to have these discussions and they've also been extremely good at like teaching people you know and Mm -hmm. so obviously waypoints community is not a place for racists or homophobes or you know anybody with with bigotry or prejudice inside of them you know that's that's not who waypoints community is for waypoints community is for people who are open and um understanding and um just all around good people but we do get people here and there who like hop in a forum and they'll ask a question and people have discussions um they almost always go well sometimes they don't and that's just that yeah it's it's so unbelievably hard to have like level-headed discussions right now about a lot of the stuff with someone who is on that other side i mean even i've talked about this on twitter like my mom who i love knowing that she voted for trump you're just like man i want to just make you understand like (laughs) why this is not okay for me but yeah so many people have just like you know you you just you dig your heels down and there's just not even worth having a discussion right Uh, and i think i think another thing is like we have a code of conduct on our forums and we have like a bunch of rules in our discord. And I think if you enter into our community, you learn very quickly that our community isn't a place for like non-marginalized people to go to marginalized people and ask them mm-hmm. about like X, Y, and Z that affects them, you know, and have yeah. marginalized people in our community have to explain those things. That's definitely not like what our space is for. Um, but as far as discussion goes about different topics, then that that happens and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, you talk a lot about it on your podcast too. Like I, I was listening to a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of crazy shit lately where you've right. had to address like the PewDiePie and John Tron. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. another one too um, with like the, the Nick Robinson situation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that comes up where, you know, it's it's nice to have, uh, you know, I think there's value to a lot of the different sites who don't cover it, but it's always nice also to have people who are willing to discuss that in a way where it's like, I, I learned something. Like, I right. understand this angle more now. Uh, and right. being such a big part of the launch of the site, which is, it's never easy to launch a site about video game coverage. <laughs> it's, there's a, there were a lot of them, and then it's there really were much, hard. there were fewer of them, and there was this kind of scary moment of like, oh god, is everything just going to be a let's play with like, a screen grab of some white dude yelling at you and like that's the future of games coverage there was definitely that time i was in like i remember being in college and like about to graduate and like all right here's like the goal the game informer games but ign goal and then it's like is that even going to be around like it's it's nice now to see you know waypoint to see uh Glixel to see um, even Zam like kind of like came back for a bit and is is doing good work right now. Mm -hmm. Have you been able to take a moment to step back and kind of appreciate everything that Waypoint has done and everything your team has done up to this point? Because I remember talking to Phil Kohler like literally a year ago. So Polygon had been around for a long time. He was like, nope, like it's it's just kind of like head down and forward. I mean, have you even reached a point where you feel stable and established in a way where uh, I think when you start a new site, you're worried every single day, like, oh, God, I don't want this to go bad. we got to keep going. Mm-hmm. we got to keep mm-hmm. going to make sure that we're comfortable. Do you feel okay. comfortable right now or do you think it's going to take a little bit longer to get to that point? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I shouldn't have started that sentence. With, yeah, no, we don't feel comfortable because it's, <laughs> it's, it's scary. And also, like, we are, again, we're part of Vice. And in the same way that, like, Glixel kind of uh, fell apart and yep. is is, you know still running luckily. Um, but, um, we are part of like a bigger thing. And so 
there are more goals beyond just uh, making our audience happy and and putting out stories. Um, there are far more goals than that and goals that we still need to hit and goals that we still need to make. And so I don't think that we will be like comfortable for a while, but Austin and I have these conversations a lot where we do kind of take a step back and we um, think about where we're at and we uh, think about the fact that like when Waypoint launched, it was just Austin and Mike and I, um, well, it was, it was Patrick and also Danielle, but like the, uh, the three months leading up to Waypoint's launch, it was just, uh, Austin and Mike and mm-hmm. Mike and I, and, um, Austin and I spend a lot of time talking about like, um, how happy we are about the site and, um, how thankful we are you know, for each other and for the team. And, um, I think we reflect on, on waypoint often. So we're always thinking about it, you know, I think that's critical. I think it just like in life, you need to like spend time every once in a while to kind of evaluate where you're at. Like, all right, Mm -hmm. let me, let me look back and like think about these different things and like look at myself and be honest with myself. And I think as a website, as a podcast, as whatever you're doing, you need to do that. And, um, this is in no way me trying to get you to like say anything negative about vice because you've only Mm -hmm. been positive about them so far. But when you guys were starting the site, I, I feel like with this and with, Glixel, you look at it and you're like, all right, big companies putting money into game coverage sites and everyone worries that it's people who don't understand games at the top pumping mm-hmm. money into something and hoping like, oh, well, games are big right now. Everyone loves esports. Everyone loves, you know, League of Legends and Dota and all this stuff. We're going to have our own site and it's going to do great because it's the hot thing right now. Mm-hmm. And then once they realize it's not this endless bottomless money well, there's something kind of like what happened to Glixel happens where they're like, all right, we're going to downsize. We're going to not right. do, we're going to do this in a different way. We're going to have like one main editor and a whole bunch of freelancers. Was there ever any moment for you early on where you were concerned? Like if we don't hit these certain marks, they're going to not see us as a great value proposition. Did you feel that pressure? And do you still feel that pressure? Yeah, I think when we were planning for waypoint um, and planning for the launch, a lot of what we had to do was kind of teach people about games and teach people about games media and games journal journalism. And um, we had to set expectations because if vice were to set expectations for us um, and if, if the goals for waypoint were going to be coming top down and not from us internally, um, it would have been a problem because it's, Luckily, luckily, uh, someone who works, uh, very high up at Vice comes from a games background. So we do have, we do have some, some understanding there, but still there are a lot of people at Vice who don't understand games. And it's the same as like, there are a lot of people at Vice who don't understand, um, like health and mental health. And Vice has, you know, tonic, which is their like health, mental health, um, outlet. And it's, it's kind of the same, but, we luckily had a lot of room to kind of set expectations for waypoint and express to them, you know, like our concerns and um, talk through things with people on the growth team and people above the growth team and um, people in production and external teams and everything. And uh, so we've been very lucky, but I think there's always kind of a constant pressure when you yeah. Work under this big umbrella. And I think that's not just a thing that Waypoint feels. I think that's just a thing like in these media companies. You know, I'm sure every vertical advice feels some form of pressure because they're part of like this much bigger thing. Yep. Um, I think it's just much harder for us because what we're doing is so different. And, you know, we, we kind of launched the forums without much guidance at all. It was like, I was like, Hey, we should launch forums and then. Austin recommended the the site that we're using and then um I recruited a bunch of mods and essentially just like got my got um Waypoint's publishers like company credit card and did it. Um, <laughs> and that's been a lot of like what we've had to do. We we kind of have to do things and show them that um people believe in us or that they'll work and the launch stream, the 72-hour launch stream I think really helped open a lot of people's eyes at Vice. Um just to see how important not just games media is, because I think when 
a lot of people who aren't familiar with games think of games media, they automatically think of like an IGN. Um, But to show them how important this type of games media is. Yes, an entirely different type of games media. Like you cannot compare, like if people try to compare an IGN to Waypoint, it's just entirely, it's just different conversations. And again, it's not like a a good and bad thing. It's just, I think it's good that we now live in a world where we have these different avenues to talk about things that we were never able to talk about before. And we also have the, here's just a review about the game you want to know about instead of, I I was um, freelancing for GameSpot um, when Austin was. We were both at Pace and GameSpot right around the same time. And I remember he wrote an article about that really bad battlefield game battlefield hardline i think and it was about the police brutality issue uh, and kind of how that game cannot exist and without some sort of discussion about that side of it about you know uh, the political aspects of the police and i remember reading that and looking at it and being like there's why don't we have more stuff like this like why don't Mm -hmm. this feels like we're not tackling this certain aspect of the industry that you do see in movies you see in books you see in other media and that's why for me, something like Waypoint is important because you get those aspects, you get those sides of it that goes beyond like, I don't know, does this game look good? Mm -hmm. Do the guns feel great? Because sometimes, especially now, I feel like so many, there's a lot of samey games, like a lot of people kind of have controls, graphics, everything down pat. And if that's Mm -hmm. not universal, there's a lot of shit games out there. Uh, And there's a lot of games that stand out. But instead of just talking about how it feels, I'm happy we can go deeper. If we're going to keep saying games are art, let's talk about it in a way where we can actually give you know greater value put more weight on the things outside of just how it feels yeah i i trust austin so much and you know i trust patrick too and i trust danielle and i trust rob um but i really trust austin to like keep waypoint going you know he has such um he has such like great vision and also just like such great understanding for things that are going on around him and um things that need to go on around him and so i just really have a lot of respect and trust for him and believe that um waypoint will continue to like see good things you know yep no totally i i usually my sense for when someone's a really good writer is when i read the review and said god damn it why couldn't i think of it in that way like when you get jealous of another person's god. writing is like that was always when i would like i would post something i was writing for kevin van Dorn, and he'd be like oh this is really good i'm like oh i feel great now and then i look at one of austin's reviews and I'm like god damn it <laughs> like really this is what i'm competing against like austin's, of course in a positive way yeah austin's um like breath of the wild write-up i don't know if you read that or remember it no i haven't yet that is like I feel like I will not read another piece of writing like that in, in the next like <laughs> few years until he writes, you know, something else. But, um, yeah, he's, he's great. God damn him. <laughs> uh, last thing you, you mentioned a little bit earlier, kind of teaching vice about, you know, games, teaching mm-hmm. a, a lot of what you're doing is teaching about games journalism and games in general. But what's the biggest thing you've learned about? games since you started at waypoint because plenty of people who are obsessed with games are on unav- are really unaware of what actually goes into making them i mean now that i'm working for an actual you know game developer i, I remember going in the studio and being shown all these different things and i'm like man i know nothing about this thing that i love that i've mm-hmm. devoted so much of my career to so much of my free time to i mean has there been a part a, a certain aspect of you know culture development or big picture or anything like that that's You've got an entirely new perspective about what goes into making games, what goes into games in general. Yeah, well, I I don't think I knew much about what went into game development at all before I started at Waypoint. Like, like I said, I've I've always played video games, but um, it's the same as before I worked at Crunchyroll. I didn't know anything about anime production, um, and learning about like how much it costs to put a new character into a game or um, learning how much time it takes to QA like one bug. Yep. Um, that's the kind of shit that's like really, really eye opening to me. And also learning about crunch, which is not a thing that I ever even knew about before. Um, learning about crunch has been like huge for me as a person who, uh, crunches, um, obviously not in like game development, but in other aspects of my life. Um, just learning about crunch was, was absolutely huge and a thing that I didn't even know how to a name. So that's, that's been big, but realistically I've learned so much. I've learned everything that I've learned is new. You know, I wrote my first, well, no, that's not true. I wrote about like, 
uh, I've wrote about, um, Miku Project Mirai or some shit, DX, mm-hmm. the, the 3DS one before I started at Waypoint, but, um, like I'm writing about games now and that's not a thing that I ever really did. So <laughs> I'm just like learning about everything. Yeah, it's 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 been one of like the weirder, crazier things for me, especially when I, when I first started writing about games, learning so much about how they're made, and then actually talking to the developers and mm-hmm. really getting to know like what goes on behind the scenes. It does give you an entirely different appreciation for how they're made. I mean, more and more, you just keep saying like, "How the hell is, does anything ever ship?" Like, it right. never makes any sense to me how anything right. ever ships. But just right. talking to these people who have been doing this for so long. I mean, my boss is the creator of Spec Ops: The Line, and one of my other bosses like made the original Tomb Raider design. And just talking to these people <laughs> and just being like, "Yeah, you're like, this is first off, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> and second, you're just like looking at this stuff like, man, it's. I, I really had no idea how any of this was done until right now. It's, and really it's just good. cool. It's so much fun. It's so awesome. cool to actually kind of see how the sausage is made when it's your favorite stuff uh uh, danica where can people find you on twitter as well as waypoint on all social media maybe other than the facebook (laughs) since you hate it uh and what do you guys have kind of cooking right now that you can actually talk about sure um well you can find me on twitter at danica harrod and you can find waypoint um at waypoint and also on uh online at waypoint.vice.com um as far as stuff that we have going on currently um we have TV specials airing on Disney XD every Thursday at 11 that's p.m. Rad. Yeah, those, that's really awesome. We're very excited about that. Um, and besides that, our one year anniversary is coming up. So I can't talk about too much, but we are planning something for that. So stay tuned. Is it going to be an even longer stream than the founding stream? Is Absolutely like fucking a, a, not. Fuck a, a no. A full week where you're no. just streaming nonstop? God, I, mean, I would I would die. I would absolutely die. I almost died uh, last year. I think we all I almost died. I'm surprised no one did. Like, that sounds terrifying. Oh I can't believe you agreed to that. Yeah, same. That's... Uh, well, um, first off, I'm happy you're not all dead. Let's, let's start there. Uh, and second, thanks so much for doing this. Again, Waypoint is this, I'm, I'm really happy it exists. I'm happy it's doing as well as it's Thank doing. You. I, Me too. you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see another very personality based site and it's cool to see a site that tackles issues that a lot of other sites don't. And I, I've learned a lot from reading the articles. Uh, a lot of the freelancers who write for your site are really good friends of mine. So yeah. I've only heard good things and, uh, congrats on almost making it, almost making it for a year. You're almost there. And then hopefully, like, at least 10 more years and then yes, that's yes. when you'll do the week-long stream if right, streaming's right, still a thing right. by then <laughs> uh so yeah thanks again and thanks Thank everyone you. for listening no problem at all hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099